Welcome to Life on Less Meds, a podcast that reveals the truth about drug side effects and the best strategies to manage them. And now your host, Dr. Yosef Wittering. Hi, I'm Dr. Yosef Wittering. It's my pleasure to be joined here today by Kylie. Kylie is the first guest that I've had on the show who has been floxed. And for, for those of you who don't know what that is, that is a side effect to fluoroquinolone antibiotics like uh, ciprofloxacin or Leverquin. Um, and she's here to tell us about her story, which she has described as, you know, experiencing bouts of psychosis at times, visual hallucinations, feeling like her muscles are being scraped off her bones by razors and really, uh, side effects to the point where she's genuinely thought about ending her life. They've been that excruciating. And so this is, you know, I think this is a huge thing I've known about, uh, uh, people being flocks for a long time. And I'm just very grateful that you're willing to come on and, and give us a firsthand account of what it is. So, uh, so Kylie, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm very grateful to be here and I'm, um, just honored whoever connected us, connected us. It's, it's great to be here yeah. with you today. Um, and so I think, just for the context for everyone listening in here, walk us back to the beginning, you know, back when you were healthy and before any of this had happened, how did fluoroquinolones come into your life? That's a great question. I am a singer songwriter and recording artist, and I was actually opening up for kiss and various artists with my band when I started to feel kind of lethargic and just, tired. You know, I had some like different GI issues and traveling. And at the time I was born and raised vegan. So, excuse me, I had continued on with that diet and lifestyle. And simultaneously, I had surrounded myself with people that I realized did not fully support who I was and who I was becoming and where I was going with my life. So I felt trapped in many ways. And I'm a firm believer of, you know, your mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual health are all directly correlated with each other. And if things are out of sorts in your life, emotionally, mentally, they can kind of expose themselves in physical ailments. So I started to experience this pain in the side of my body and it wouldn't go away. And at the time, you know, I was very well-versed in holistic medicine and Chinese herbs, and it was very much so my way of life. So I turned to natural holistic types of medicines and nothing was working. Nothing was really taking the pain away. Mm -hmm. So I got to the point where I was extremely unhappy (laughs) in my life and I simultaneously still had this pain. So One day I was in bed and I had been in bed for some time. So I went to the ER because I was like, you know, there's just something doesn't feel right. I need some more answers. So I went to the ER and they admitted me and at that time gave me Cipro. I did not know anything about the drug. They basically just said, we're going to give you this just in case and, you know, just to be sure. So at the time I was like, yeah, like I trust you, doctor. Mm -hmm. I got it with a few other medications. One is called Flagyl, which is also given for different like stomach ailments and things of that nature. And I got it with some steroids, which I found out later, according to the FDA, that steroids should not be given with fluoroquinolone antibiotics. And what was the, um, what were they trying to treat? They did not know. I never got a diagnosis. There was no conclusion as to why I was even there other than I have pain in my side and it's not going away and they're going to give me this just in case. So that should have Hmm. been the first red flag for me, but I did not know anything about fluoroquinolone antibiotics. I had never even heard about something being this devastating. 
And that's primarily why the reason, the reason why I first started sharing in the first place was because if I had seen a video, like one of the ones that I share online a few years ago, my life would look completely differently right now. I would have never, you know, been in a wheelchair and, or suffered how I've suffered. So it really motivates me to share and help at least one person. So, you know, Kylie, when I think about, um, fluoroquinolone antibiotics, I, most of the time people will encounter this for urinary tract infections or things like uh, pyelonephritis, which is a more serious type of urinary tract infection when it sort of ascends your uridone and, and infects your kidney. You know, when you say pain in the side, part of me wonders, I mean, is that what they thought was going on? Did they think that you had one of these more severe, maybe upper urinary tract infections? Do you recall it any discussion any like that? that? I never even yeah. um, had brought that up or there was never any discussion between doctors or anything that that was, wow. that was happening. Okay. Uh, what was the, what was the fluoroquinolone? Which Cipro. one was it? So it was Cipro. Okay. And, um, when was the, what was the, what was the first sign that you experienced when you realized something is wrong? Three years later. Okay. Three yeah, years it was later. A delayed onset mm-hmm. reaction. The interesting thing about it is once I got home from the hospital, I started to have more, what I would say, minor issues like muscle fatigue, anxiety, um, little bits of insomnia that would start to creep up at night, Mm -hmm. things of that nature. No extreme type of reaction, which is also why I share my story. Because if I had known certain triggers, I could have avoided being in a wheelchair. So what happened for me was I had these minor symptoms and I attributed it to the environment I was living in, I was very stressed out. And, you know, sometimes when you feel fatigue or anxiety, you can attribute it to your living environment or Mm -hmm. your situation versus feeling like, oh, that must be directly correlated to the antibiotic that I was given. Right. Mm -hmm. So if I would have known something like avoid NSAIDs, I could have, have avoided being in a wheelchair because three years later, last summer, I took a few NSAIDs after working on my feet for quite a bit of time and I was sore. And when I took these NSAIDs, I couldn't walk after that. And from the summer of 2022 till about October of 2022, my health just continued to decline. And it was basically just this race of trying to figure out what was causing this, what had happened. And all this time up until last, pretty much last October, I had no idea that it was correlated with the fluoroquinolone antibiotic. I mean, that's something that's interesting, um, which I want to ask you about is the delayed onset of the fluoroquinolone toxicity. And that is, how did you piece that together? Because I imagine you must have felt this way. You know, if you'd taken that drug three years ago, you'd probably completely forgotten about it when things took a turn for the worst, I guess, three years later. How did you end up, I guess, drawing a, a, you know, a path back to, hang on a second. I think this might've been due to that Cipro. It's a, it's a really great question. And one that I am, it really feels like I found out by like the grace of God. Okay. I was basically at a point where I was feeling nerve and tendon pain in my lower body. And at first I thought it was maybe like a pinched nerve or something because nothing was making sense. I would wake up with this feeling of like that part of my body, whether it was my hip or my knee or foot felt kind of like stuck and paralyzed where I couldn't actually walk on it. I couldn't move it. And it was simultaneously 
had the worst pain of my life where it just felt like my tendons were like ripping off my bones, but I had no idea how to explain the feelings because I've never experienced this before at that point. So I basically get to the point in October of 2022 where I'm immobile, laying on the couch. I'm feeling this widespread tendon and nerve pain in all of my limbs at this point. I can't even pick up my phone because my hands feel so crippled in the pain. So all I could do was see and pray. So I basically around the clock for weeks on end prayed and asked for answers and tried to connect with my guardian angels and said like, I need help. I don't know what to do. Please bring me the solutions that I need to get to the next point in my life. Like I need to figure out what is going on. And that was weeks and weeks on end. And one day I had enough strength to pick up my phone and I believe click on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And the very first post that I saw that someone had shared, I think to their stories said, I was floxed and I clicked it randomly. Mind you, this is weeks of like not going on my phone. So mm-hmm. I had no reason to click on an article that said I was flocks because I didn't even know the word, what that meant. Mm-hmm. So I click on it and there's this girl who is using a walker in the photo. And the first thing was I took Cipro. And in that moment, I had like a light bulb go off. And I think many times throughout the last year, it's really inspired me in sharing my story, no matter how hard it is to share, because it's not an easy topic to share. And it's hard putting yourself out in front of this topic because there's there's so much surrounding it. There's so much controversy. There's so many feelings, you know, about the topic. But in that moment, I had such a light bulb go off that was like, oh my God, I took Cipro. And so I looked up the FDA regulations on it and I started reading about it. And that was how... I made the connection. And if it weren't for that article, if it wasn't for someone else who had shared their story previously, I don't think I would have figured it out because doctors had told me like, it's just anxiety. And, you know, when you're in that situation at that point, I was experiencing 70 plus symptoms of my body just falling apart. So when you're in that state, it's already so hard and difficult enough to just even just deal with your own sensation going on in your body. And the, you know, the fact that at that point I had lost my ability to walk and I needed 24 hour care. So. And did you, did you rupture your tendons? No, I'm very, very lucky. And I'm very lucky that I didn't rupture tendons. I didn't need open heart surgery. I didn't have a detached retina. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't have a brain aneurysm, which are all things that I've heard about from people um, who have survived it, who, Mm -hmm. you know, have endured that. Okay. And um, since being on this journey, have you been able to talk with other people who have been floxed? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I continually hear from thousands of people almost weekly now who are struggling to get their lives back after being floxed. And I hear from a lot of people too who see my videos and say, oh, that must be the cause of my symptoms. And then they start digging and figuring out, you know, the direct correlation between their symptoms and them taking a fluoroquinolone. You know, you're teaching me stuff um, as I'm talking to you because the delayed onset of your reaction, you know, in my mind, I was thinking, I wonder if that's been reported before. And sure enough, I pull up the drug label for ciprofloxacin and it says right in there where it's talking about tendonitis, it says, let's see, it's tendonitis or tendon rupture can occur within hours or days of starting cipro or as long as several months after completion of fluoroquinolone therapy. And when I read this, I start to think um, this is going to be incredibly hard for people to pick up because that's not the way 
we usually think about drug side effects. We think about drug side effects occurring in a day or two after taking a drug. And there's this very close, tight temporal relationship. But right there in the FDA labels, it talks about people having this several months, and at least in your case, several years after exposure. And so... um, so it sounds like you, 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 I know you had other symptoms, but did you, did they find that what you were having was tendinitis? Were they able to recognize, recognize that? Not exactly. Um, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's definitely an interesting experience going through because there's not like a definite this is what is going on in your body because there are so many symptoms that happen when you're floxed. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's really, it's not unusual. My story is not, is not alone in having, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 symptoms at a time. A lot of it was just, you know, for the doctors that did acknowledge what Mm -hmm. I was going through, they were able to say, okay, well, yes, this is directly correlated with that and so on. But there's not, there's not really a definite, I don't know, diagnosis, if you will, of like, oh, you have tendinitis. Because even the way that I've experienced the nerve pain is different than a lot of other floxies. But there are a lot of people who have experienced nerve pain like I have, and everyone kind of has a different way of explaining it. But yeah, the delayed onset reaction is, uh, I have found a fairly common thing. And I have heard from people who have not put the pieces together until 18 years later mm-hmm. that they were floxed. Uh, yeah, I was, I was hoping you could maybe share a little bit from, you know, from the people that you've spoken to, how many of, you know, what, and I don't even know if you asked them this, but I'm curious because I find delayed onset really interesting is like, is this usually something that's happening like straight away on average or two months later, six months later or years later, like just from talking to people, what, what do you hear about when, when they get really like kind of hit with the full constellation of symptoms? They basically call it the bomb going off. It literally feels like a bomb goes off in your body when the onset of symptoms happen. And it's kind of all it, excuse me, all at once. I have heard from people and I would say the number is definitely smaller than the people who experienced the bomb going off right away or within like a few weeks. Mm -hmm. But I've heard from people who have had the bomb going off maybe a year later, a year and a half later. I have not heard from anyone who has had it so far in the past or in the future <laughs> here, I'm confusing mm-hmm. myself. I know that there are stories of people who have experienced delayed onset reactions, but the majority of people that I've heard from who have had delayed onset reactions, I will say maybe had minor symptoms like I did in the, in the beginning too, but then took something not knowing that it would set the bomb off. So things like antidepressants, NSAIDs, steroids can all basically set the bomb off and take you to take you from feeling minor symptoms like fatigue, insomnia, um, you know, dry eyes or dry mouth or muscle pains and aches to being completely immobile and, you know, needing a wheelchair or mobility aids to just get by. And Again, I don't know if you can answer these questions because they're pretty uh, scientific and I don't know if you've really gone into this, but do, do you know much about like what's the mechanism of this going on? Like, uh, uh, you know, from what you've heard from other people's, because I, you know, I've seen some stuff about mitochondria there. I'm trying to think like, why is why is it that an NSAID could trigger the bomb going off? And any any thought, do you, do you have anything to share about that? I'm just curious. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a curious topic. And I have, you know, laid here for the better part of, well, more than a year now, 
just healing from this and trying to find anything that I could that could help me heal. The The crazy part about it is the system that created the problem can't fix it. And that's one of the really sad things for people who are affected by this is trying to find any means of healing and mm -hmm. not being able to a lot of the time with conventional medicine, because a lot of the times doctors will just either tell you you're crazy or prescribe you antidepressants or steroids or some kind of pain medication. And oftentimes it makes it worse. My understanding of it, and of course, I'm not a doctor or a scientist, but my understanding of it is fluoroquinolone antibiotics have a fluoride type compound. And when you take them, they have the ability to go and clear out the infection, if you will, that it's fighting, right? But what happens a lot of the time for anyone who has symptoms or a reaction after taking a fluoroquinolone is it can basically lodge itself inside of the cell and essentially stay there for decades. And that's the reason why when you take something like a steroid or an NSAID or even an antidepressant years later, like in my situation, it can, those compounds basically meet and I don't know exactly the scientific way to say like what happens sure, when that, yeah. when those meet. But my understanding of it is fluoride goes and sits inside the cell and then it is, you know, provoked, if you will. And the bomb goes off because these compounds are somewhat inflammatory to each other, but mm -hmm. it can basically go and like activate this, this compound inside the cell. And it's one of the reasons why it's, it's incredibly difficult to detox out of the body. So mm -hmm. while fluoroquinolones can be incredibly effective in life and death situations, we obviously know that so many practitioners and doctors are still prescribing them even decades later after black box warnings and, you know, all these different stories of people having their lives ruined by the drug. Um, they're still prescribed for very minor things, like you said, UTIs and different stomach ailments and even eye and ear infections, but they should be saved for life and death situations, which is, you know, another reason why I share my story and try and educate whoever I can on it because it's really tragic hearing from people like and understanding that even though it put me in a wheelchair and I've been using a wheelchair for a year of my life and I've experienced the most excruciating pain of my life and it's just completely derailed like everything that I that my life was you know and I've had to rebuild every element of my life but to know that like I'm incredibly lucky that it didn't kill me or that I didn't have an aneurysm or, you know, that it didn't blind me like is, isn't, is very humbling. So I don't know if that answers your question, but sure. it's, uh, <laughs> what did you, well, maybe we can, I mean, you said you lost everything. Maybe you can talk to us a little bit about that. What did you lose? Um, what did you lose in terms of, I guess, your, your, your ability to function after this hit? Like walk us through how bad things got. Mm. So when I lost my ability to walk, I also lost my ability to even just like pick my head up. Mm -hmm. I could no longer hold a cup on my own, my partner had to pour water into my mouth. Um, I couldn't eat anymore. Every, it felt like every single thing that I would eat would just make my body feel like it was going to like explode. Like my skin felt like it was on fire. Like as if someone had literally lit my skin on fire. The neurological issues were so extreme that I no longer felt like I could be left alone and be safe. I was experiencing psychosis, depression, like I never knew existed. I've always been a very, I think, kind of like even toned 
generally very positive, optimistic person. And during this time, it was like, I don't know. I saw the darkness inside that existed like inside my soul. It was the most frightening thing I've ever gone through. Um, the anxiety, I was having panic attacks every like 15 minutes, never had a panic attack, like crippling, debilitating panic attack where I'm like sobbing and have no idea why I'm even crying. I could not even control it. And that's, that's also another really weird symptom that I've heard from thousands of people of just like, oh, did you deal with the uncontrollable crying? <laughs> like, I could not even make this up, you know, because it was so, just so intense. Um, I couldn't put pressure on my feet. Like if you were to go take a step, I couldn't even, my brain, it felt like my brain stopped working in terms of knowing even how to take a step. The pain was so bad that I think it was almost blocking some kind of, you know, snaps or whatnot that, that happens when you can normally walk and your brain is like, you know, making the connections from your brain to your foot and your leg of like, okay, now you can walk. You know what I mean? Yeah. Did any doctors ever accuse you of faking your symptoms? Not directly, but there was a lot of like, yeah, that can't happen. Yeah. That's, that's not true. Oh, that's just anxiety. Mm. And then you just legitimately feel like you're, going even crazier on top of you already feel like you're going crazy. Cause you're like, what, what's happening? You know, what was that like when you were there unable to move skin burning and then for the doctors to tell you that it was just due to your anxiety and that it was just a psychological it was just a physical manifestation of stress or something like that what's that like it's definitely not fun yeah <laughs> i mean yeah. now you know it's a year, more than a year later so I, like i can laugh at it but in that moment you've i mean you just everything like your whole perception of everything that you ever thought just it doesn't exist anymore you know you're just like if if you um, let me think. I mean, when I was laying there and I felt like my, it legitimately felt like someone had taken like a big butcher knife and was just carving off my limbs, like all of them all at the same time. And I simultaneously, my wrist and hand swelled up, my foot swelled up like three times the size of my normal size foot. My knee was a size of a cantaloupe. My elbow, I could not, I could no longer bend it or move it. Um, so it also causes some type of, you know, maybe autoimmune reaction where the body's just like shutting down. So, you know, when that's happening at that point for me, I was kind of like, okay, like I'm going to do whatever I can to find someone who will believe me. And luckily I did find this incredible doctor in LA, his name is Dr. Mark Galili. And um, Dr. G helps people who have been floxed. He was floxed years prior and he healed himself from it. So when I found his story and found out that he had also been in a wheelchair and also healed, I knew that, okay, if one person can do this, I can do this. And so at that point, I was basically like, anyone who was, you know, telling me otherwise, this isn't real or you can't heal or whatever it was. I was just like, get out of my way because I will conquer this and I will figure out what I need wow. to do to figure this out, you know? And I think the really amazing thing is that even though there's not like a specific protocol right now that says, okay, if you're flocks, this is what you do, A, B, C, D, you know, it's, it's really, it's kind of case by case, um, and everyone has such bio, such different bio individual needs that what works for me may not work exactly the same way for, for someone else who's dealing with this. But I think the really incredible thing to know, like if you are going through this or if you know someone who was also, or in that, 
is currently in that position of just like their life is falling apart because they don't know what happened to them or they figured it out and now they don't know what to do. Is there so many incredible regenerative treatments that do exist that can help you heal? So I do believe, you know, in my own experience, it's been a a mental, emotional, physical and spiritual healing, like a very deep healing. But I've experienced that through illness, it really presents this opportunity to give you the opportunity of kind of like wiping away, washing away everything that's no longer serving you, whether that's, you know, people or certain ways of going about your life. I mean, experiencing this in such a, like a devastating life ending way and putting my entire life on pause at the time I was a part-time private chef, I was pursuing my music and I was living my life like anyone else would be doing. And then I can't work anymore. I can't, I have to cancel all of my events and planned things and simultaneously family and friends, you know, there are people who supported me, but there were people who were just like, yeah, you're crazy. Like peace out. So to deal with that, like kind of this crumbling of your reality all at once is definitely incredibly overwhelming, but it also opens the paths to like living a more authentic life. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. What was it like when, I guess friends or family started to question your position that this was caused by a fluoroquinolone and what was that like to go through? It's truly baffling. Like from the perspective of the person who is already having their life crumble before their eyes to then experience on top of that, people not just understanding or being comforting it's really crushing it's it's demoralizing it's kind of unbelievable like you kind of almost don't believe it and i think that's also it was a coping mechanism to just be like huh <laughs> like what i could just i just couldn't imagine that if someone that i loved was going through what i was going through that i would respond in that way of like, yeah, you, you know, you need to get more doctor's opinions or this is just anxiety or like, yeah, you're really off the deep end here. Does that make sense to you? I mean, on the one hand, I, I think that people just can't believe that some side effects for drugs can be so dangerous because I think most people are like, well, you know, if the doctors gave it to you, it must be safe. Yeah. And so, you know, they're, they're set up to, to think, you know, I just, I just take medications that the doctors recommend and, and, you know, they're safe. And so, you know, this is just Kylie's vegan thing or something like that. She's out to kind of, I don't know, (laughs) you know, talk bad about medications. I mean, people have their biases and things like that. And with all of the COVID anti-vax stuff going on, it's, it's easy to get quickly kind of lumped into a, into a bucket where it's just like, oh, you're just anti-med, right? Yeah. (laughs) One side of it is just that people, I think, and I, and I get this with some of the, um, psychiatric drug injuries, it's really hard for people to believe that medications that, you know, they, they're either taking or, you know, a, a close loved one in their life is taking could potentially have such serious side effects. You know, it just seems unbelievable. Right. Yeah. And so I wonder if that's what's happening to some extent. They're just like this, this it's, it's almost so horrific that they, that they don't want to believe it's true. You know, that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely seems like it shatters people's worldviews and it's, it would just be easier to deny it and to say, nah, that can't happen. Yeah. Um, okay. So for the people that stuck with you during this, talk about the effect that your disability had on the lives of the people that loved you and that were by your side. Mm. 
I feel like I kind of have to separate myself from that so I don't get like too. <laughs> yeah. Um, the person who was stuck by my side was my partner. Um, he has been amazing and just really like an angel on earth. Um, I mean, as far as what it looked like from a, you know, hang out with friends or go out to events and be normal, like all of that just stopped completely. So it's definitely been hard on relationships. And I think it really quickly kind of like weeds out the people who are just there and it opens up space for people who are actually really willing and able to hold space for you through something like this and not take it as like a, Oh, they're doing this to me. You know, it's like a tragic thing that happened to my friend and how can I be there for them? Hmm. But yeah, I don't think I'd be here. Like I know that I wouldn't be here if it weren't for my partner, just because things got so bad and even just the mental and emotional toll that it can take was just unbelievably challenging. It was, and I consider myself a, an optimistic person, you know, like even when it feels like the world's ending, I'm like, Oh, maybe I think there's a silver lining over there, you know? So I do think that pulled me through a lot of really treacherous nights and days that I've survived, but I couldn't imagine going through this alone. So I just try and <laughs> instead I just try and turn that into like a, I'm just so grateful to have the support that I do have. And a lot of people in both of our families have been incredibly supportive. So I just try and stay focused on the the people who do show up and that are able to hold space. And I think when you're going through some kind of tragedy, like that's what you have to do in order to get through it. And the, all of the noise that surrounds that just kind of falls away. I ask, can you share a particularly difficult moment or experience that, that you went through um, during your recovery from being, from being floxed? Mm. There are so many. <laughs> Let's see. One that was really impactful for me was this was before I figured out that I was floxed and I did not know what was going on at this point. I was laying on our couch in our living room and I was basically like my arms were like, you know, boards by the side of my body and I could not move because I was in so much pain widespread tendon and nerve pain throughout my entire body. And as I'm laying there, you know, the feeling that I had was so much like, like, how did I get here? And what am I going to do? And I remember feeling like really depressed in the feeling of like, I can't move my body anymore. I can't even get up. I can't pick my head up. I can't take a step. I can't do anything anymore. And I, in that moment, I remember I opened my eyes and I could see we have a fireplace and I could see the fire like flickering out of the corner of my eye. And I just started to tear up because I was so overcome with this feeling of gratitude for the ability that I could still see. So from that moment forward, I just did my best. You know, I, I definitely had a lot of moments and days where it was just unbearably difficult, but I, oh, I tried to just keep correcting, you know, my focus mentally and emotionally to, I can still see. And that's something that I can feel gratitude for. And if I can conjure up that feeling like in my heart, then I can flood my body with that incredible feeling of being able to see. 
And if I can keep doing that and keep creating this good feeling in my body, then maybe at some point I can, you know, override these terrible physical sensations that I'm having. How long did it take you to get to a place where you could be grateful for what you did have instead of being angry and bitter about the disability? Mm, that's a good question. I think it was pretty early on. I definitely have struggled. I've had ups and downs with feeling immense anger for the situation. But it never gets me to a point of feeling like I can overcome this. So I think early on, I really resonated with like any win, no matter how small it is, has to be my my center has to be my focus. I have to come back to that as much as I possibly can over and over and over again. And when I feel like I have absolutely nothing left, like that's what I have left. There's always something that I can do, even if it's just open my eyes and see what's in front of me. And that in itself is an immense blessing. And it's really where the, where celebrate the little wins came from, which is like my motto and my you know, what I, what I share online is hoping that like, no matter how terrible a situation is, that there's always something that you can be grateful for. And it doesn't mean that it like makes everything, oh, it's just all fine now. Like there's, there's still that process of needing to figure out, okay, like what's going to get me from point A to point B. But I think if you can and this is just my experience, but I think if when you're in like a terrible situation and you can find those little wins, that silver lining, that one thing to be optimistic about, then it can really pull you through to the next moment. And I really, I really just became kind of like obsessed with doing that. Even through the toughest moments, I was like, you know, okay, my right foot is swollen. It feels like someone is sawing my leg off from my hip down and nothing I do seems to help the pain. Okay. How does my right or how does my left foot, how does my left big toe feel? Oh, it feels great. Okay. I can, um, just focus on that feeling of how good it feels for no 10 seconds. So it just became this process of like doing that over and over and over and over again until I've done it. Like what feels like, you know, like a million times at this point. (laughs) And, and so take us forward to now, what residual symptoms do you have from being floxed today? So basically last year at this time, I had 70 plus symptoms. And now one year later, I have less than five, which mm-hmm. is feels great to be able to say that. Okay. It does take time, but I currently still have some nerve issues and I feel like it's you know, it's still continuing to improve, but I still have days like hence being in bed. Normally I would be in my studio with my setup and my, you know, microphone and everything. But right now I've, for the last couple of days, I have been experiencing some nerve pain in my hip. And so there are days that I still have where I'm, you know, taking it easy and just kind of like resting in bed and not, and kind of immobilizing myself, knowing that even now, for instance, last year I would have what I would call a flare up where I'd have this nerve and tendon pain for weeks on end. And, you know, it wouldn't get better day after day. And then now I will have the same kind of pain, but it's, it is less and it's not as debilitating, but I know that if I, kind of like immobilize myself in my bed for a day or two, then it'll subside. So I've gone from like weeks and weeks and weeks of experiencing this kind of pain to now maybe just a couple days. Um, I have a few issues with like blood sugar regulation that have come from this and I'm still healing my gut. Um, So I would say those are like the main, the main things that I'm still dealing with. But all of them are generally way less than I was experiencing. 
Kylie, I want to say thank you for answering all of my questions. I want to give you an opportunity to share whatever you want to with my audience, anything that you think um, you want people to know about fluoroquinolones or, or someone's out there listening who's been floxed. Um, please, yeah, bring up anything you want to share. Thank you. Um, I think when I, when I think back of like where I was at a year ago and if I could have known me last year at this time, I would just like to say that healing is absolutely possible. It's definitely not going to look like a conventional way that you might go about something and it's going to require you being the most open-minded that you have ever thought you could be and then some. There are so many regenerative treatments out there that are incredible. Um, some of the ones that have helped me the most are stem cells, peptide therapies, vitamin IVs, things of that nature. And ultimately, I was just really blown away with the response that I have gotten even up to this point of people sharing their stories with me and people who are still continuing to suffer and have no idea where to turn. You know, there hasn't really been like a specific place on the internet where you could go and they could say, oh, this is what you're dealing with and this is what you need to do to start fixing it. So it really inspired me to create a relief guide. Again, it's not medical advice, it's just things that have helped me heal the most and that I've seen the most progress from. But yeah, I think to just know that like there is hope and you don't have to settle for, oh, now I, I was injured by this pharmaceutical and that's the end of my life. There are still beautiful things to come from it. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of hope of what can be done. So one of the things that helped me the most last year at this time was to continue seeking no matter what, like until I got the answers that I was looking for. None of the answers looked like what I thought they would look like. But at that point, I was so desperate that I was willing to try pretty much anything to start to get my life back. So I think just understanding that and understanding that the system that created the problem can't fix it, at least not right at this moment in time. And I think in future's time, if we can create enough awareness about this, then we can have more of like a, oh, you were floxed. Here's a protocol you can follow, you know, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. And that if this did happen to you, that it's really important that you share it. It's really important that you make your voice loud and it's not an easy topic to talk about, but if you can understand that really anyone struggling with this, like if people can understand that the power that one person has in sharing this is incredibly impactful and it doesn't need to be, you know, millions of people. And while I would argue that I think millions of people have been affected by this because it's often misdiagnosed as things like arthritis and Lyme's and fibromyalgia because the, the symptoms look so, you know, similar. But I think if more people start to speak up and share their story and understand like the power that one person has with their voice, that's ultimately, I think, like that's the best we can do once, you know, you're affected by this. Versus just thinking like, oh, I'm just going to go hide in my little cave and heal from this and then put it behind me. And, you know, because it's, it's very traumatic. Like a lot of the people that I've talked to, they don't want anything to do with this. They don't want to share it or talk about it because it's it's hard to talk about. But, yeah, I think ultimately, like if people could understand the power that, you know, just one person has with their voice. And I think I have realized that over the course of this last year of just being like, this is my story and I'm sharing it no matter how uncomfortable it makes me. And I'm going to just keep pushing through that, that feeling of insecurity and like judgment because, you know, I have received hate for it and 
people who are just like, you know, you're off the wall with this because it couldn't happen. So yeah, I right. um, ultimately, I think the very last thing I would say is that, that if you're going through any kind of tragedy to find any, any little win that you possibly can, that feels good. Whether that just means opening up your eyes or being able to take a sip of water or breathe, you know, like these are very simple things that we often never think about. But when you lose your health and it just seemingly disappears overnight, these are the things that can get you through it. So um, I can be found anywhere at Celebrate the Little Wins. And if anyone is going through this that sees us or if you know someone that's struggling with this, feel free to reach out. I have a relief guide that's free and um, lots of resources and solutions that I wish existed and that I knew about last year at this time. Great. And is that Celebrate the Little Wins? Um, what platform is that or is it a website? It will be a website soon. We're okay. currently in the process of getting it up. I have had a lot of uh, tendon and nerve pain in my hands, so it's made it difficult for me to, okay. you know, get it up on the timeline that I want. But yeah, celebrate the little wins on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, everywhere. So awesome, great. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. It's been really yeah. great, and I appreciate you sharing sharing this story, even if it's uh, uncomfortable at times. And my goal is that we can make enough noise to really alert our friends at the FDA that there should be serious, um, you know, kind of like rules and regulations surrounding these, these drugs. So this doesn't have to happen to other people. Yep. Okay. Well, thanks again. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you want to see the full video interview, we also post these to YouTube. Just go to Wit During Psychiatry on YouTube to find those. You'll also find several YouTube exclusive videos from doctors Yosef and Marissa posted several times a week. Finally, if you need help with your drug taper, getting a second opinion, or managing your post-acute withdrawal, come visit us at WitDuringPsychiatry.com. Our sole focus is on helping patients regain control of their lives and achieve optimal mental health on as little medications as possible.